Welcome to the Pepperell Baptist Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to make disciples of the Lord Jesus among all ages and in all places. So take out your Bible and a pen, and let's jump into the Word together once again. We'll be in the book of Hebrews tonight. That is not shocking to anyone, probably in this room. Book of Hebrews. Chapter 6, verses 13 through 20 is the passage we'll be looking at together tonight. Uh, Maybe not as difficult as the passage as was last week's, but I think it's still just as difficult to interpret. Uh, If you've ever read much of Hebrews, you probably have learned rather quickly that there are some difficult parts to this book to study, to to tease out, to understand. And uh, so you pray for me as we work through this, but I hope it will encourage you here tonight. So Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. Let's look at this together. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so, after patiently waiting, Abraham obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show His unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, He guaranteed it with an oath, so that through two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope Set before us, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. When I was reading this passage throughout the week, I couldn't help but think back to my own childhood and and some of the fears that I had as a kid. And one of the fears that really just took the cake that that was greater than any other fear I had as a kid was being afraid of the dark. Was anybody else here, was you afraid of the dark when you was a kid? I was horrified of it. I hated going to sleep without a nightlight. Uh... Even as a young man, I, even the, the other day I caught myself when it was after a Wednesday night service and the lights had been turned off and I was walking back to my office. And, and if you've ever, Brother Mike knows, it's pitch black dark back there. You can't see anything. And uh, I was just kind of, you know, looking around the corners. And I was reminded of just how terrified of the dark I still am. And, you know, I, I developed a habit at some point, I guess as a kid, but when I find myself walking through a dark hallway, you, you know how I kind of overcome that fear? I start whistling, or I'll start humming. Usually the Andy Griffith tune. Anything really to get my mind off of just this fear that I have. Just whistling in the dark as I walk along. 
Anything that I can do to keep my mind busy, anything I can do to keep my mind distracted. As I thought about that, I thought, wow, I think a lot of would-be strong believers. Notice that, would-be strong believers. I think there are a lot of would-be strong believers who are approaching the Christian life in a very similar way to I approach walking down a dark hallway. Doing anything we can do to keep our minds off of spiritual matters because of doubts that we have, because of fears that we have. I think there are people that walk through the Christian life somewhat whistling in the dark, just trying to stay busy, to not think about spiritual realities, to not think about spiritual work, to not think about the things God calls them and leads them to do. Instead of living in the light of the glorious promises that have been made to us as believers. And so, that's the question I want to ask us tonight. Are we presently, are you presently, living in the light of the promises made to you as a child of God? Or are you walking through the Christian life, whistling in the dark? My hope is that a light bulb might go off for you tonight as we study this passage, and that any fear you have in that, any doubt you have, might be erased, and you might leave with a confidence of salvation tonight, looking head forward, straight ahead, ready to serve the kingdom of God and all the things that he leads you to do. And so through our study of God's word tonight, I hope that 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 will do that for you. Let's look again at verses 13 through 15. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. We kind of come to an interesting point, I think, in our study of the book of Hebrews. I make this whole illustration about people whistling in the dark because I think in some ways that's what these original readers were doing of this book. You remember, we talked about it numerous times in our study. They had a lot of social pressure on them. There was likely some persecution breaking out against them. And there was this really dangerous fear that they were going to walk away from the faith and revert back to Judaism, to the Old Testament way of doing things. They wouldn't be in as much trouble anymore. And judging from our passage last week, if you remember, apparently some actually had did this. They had walked away from Christ and from the church. And in this passage that we're looking at tonight, the Hebrews author is making every effort he can do not to warn them. He did that last week. The goal tonight is to encourage them, to help them to see clearly the promise that God has given them and and specifically... To see the certainty that comes with the promises of God. That is to say that you have no reason to be whistling in the dark. But we ought to live in the light of the promises that God has given us. And that's his aim here tonight. And the first way that he seeks to do this is that he reminds them of the example of Abraham. The example of Abraham. He's all over the first three verses here. What specifically about Abraham does he want us to pick up on? Well, I've got it in your notes, but I'll say it anyways. Abraham is an example of a person who has faith that perseveres. Faith that never gives up. Even when it looks like all the world is against him. Even when there's all these obstacles in his way. I mean, just think about Abraham for a moment. Think about the Old Testament story that you know. 
God all of a sudden speaks to Abraham out of the blue. And what does he tell him? He doesn't just give him an easy thing to do. Abraham, leave your family. Go to this country you've never been to before. And I will make of you a great nation. I will give you a land. And I will bless all the families of the earth in you. Abraham had no prior experience with God as far as we're concerned in the story. But Abraham encountered God and he believed and he went. And then God promises that he's going to give Abraham a child in his old age. When he's a hundred. And Sarah's ninety. And God does. And if you read the book of Genesis, there's just kind of this up and down trajectory over and over again where that promise gets challenged and God delivers time and time again. And in their old age, he does bring a child into the life of Abraham and Sarah. But then Genesis 22 happens. Y'all remember that? Calls Abraham to go up the mountain to do what? Sacrifice your only son. And Abraham does it. Like, he, he goes on the journey. He had the knife drawn. He was going to do it. And the angel of the Lord stopped him. It is hard to read the story of Abraham and not see the example of faith that he is. He just never gives up. Despite the obstacles, despite the turns, despite the twists along the way, Abraham never gives in. But here's the part we often forget, too. Abraham never gave up. Abraham never gave in. But neither did God. God never gave up on Abraham. Abraham wasn't perfect. There's that one episode in Genesis where they go down to Egypt and Abraham acts like Sarah's his sister because, you know, they're just going to kill me if they see me and you together. So Abraham wasn't perfect, but God never gave up on him. Abraham never gave in and neither did God. Abraham is an example of faith that perseveres. Which begs us, I think, to ponder maybe why God makes promises to begin with. I mean, God begins working in Abraham's life. But he keeps making these promises to Abraham over and over again all along the way. Why is he doing that? Why does God make promises? He didn't have to make promises to do it. He can just do it. But he chooses to make promises. He chooses to enter into our lives to make promises and to carry out those promises. So why does God make promises? What is he doing? I think that's one of the things this passage is getting at here. Look at verse 16 through 17 with me. For people swear by something greater than themselves. And for them, a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath. Well, let's start here. The goal of God making a promise, the goal of God making an oath is to settle doubts. That's clearly what he says here. When people make an oath, when people give oaths, what they're doing is they swear by someone greater than themselves. The reason they do that is because if they double-cross you and go back on their word, that greater being will render judgment on them. But we kind of come to this dilemma with God. There's no one greater than God. There's no one that God can swear by because there's no one greater than Him. He's the greatest being. He's supreme in all things. 
which is why in verse 13 the Hebrews author tells us, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, by his own name. The unique nature of the divine oath and its relevance to the purpose of God is that he's making his purpose clearer to us. That's the whole goal of this. To settle doubts in our hearts, God makes promises to us. He makes a promise, he makes an oath to make his purposes clear. And and I would insert this tidbit into this as well. What a wonderful reason to study God's word on a faithful, persistent basis. To know the promises of God. To know the scriptures of God. To know what God has said he's going to do, what he has done, and what he's doing in the present world. What a wonderful motivation to know and learn the word of God, to see the promises. So the goal is to settle doubts. That's why they swear by something greater than themselves. But with God, he has to swear by himself because he's the greatest bee. And the Hebrews author says he does this to make his purpose clear in the lives of his people. But then he has this thing that he says here about these two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. But what are the two unchangeable things? I kind of scratched my head on that all week long reading through this passage because you read it and I just, I just feel like I'm seeing one thing. God made a promise. What's the other thing? Where is it at? And it suddenly dawned on me. It's the purpose of God. God doesn't change His purposes. God doesn't change His plans. God doesn't change His mind. He sets out to do something and He does it. So if he's going to do what he's going to do because it is his purpose, then why make promises? Why is he making a promise? To make it clearer to us? Yes. But what's the point for you and I? That we would participate in the journey along the way. It's exactly what he was doing in the life of Abraham. He he had a purpose for Abraham, but he chose to make a promise to Abraham and invites Abraham to join him on this journey, to trust God, to learn that he can trust God, to see God's purposes and to see them clearly and to say, Lord, you are worth all my trust. I will not give in. Even when it looks like things are going awry, I will not cave. God makes promises to invite us to participate in the journey of faith that we're on, the journey of life. The same purpose for his promise to Abraham, so we might seize the hope that is set before us. And then we come to this part of the passage that talks about an anchor. We have hope that is like an anchor, firm and secure. So we've been talking about Abraham and the promises God made to him. And then we go into this part of the passage where the Hebrews author is working out the technical parts of why God makes promises. And if we feel like we're confused along the way, it all really comes to fruition here at the end. We have a promise. We have a hope in Christ. If Abraham had good reason to trust God, we have better reasons. We have this hope that is like an anchor. Y'all ever tried to move an anchor? Doesn't budge very easily. It's firm. It's secure. 
When you get tossed backwards and forwards in this life, when you walk through trials and struggles, when your boat seems like it's about to capsize, when the, when the currents are pulling you headfirst along, and it's almost as if you'll be swept away, that anchor holds. It doesn't budge. It doesn't move. It's a firm promise from God. God has promised it is His purpose. He will do it. In this hope, it is like an anchor. It's not moving. We will not be moved because of our anchor. We have a hope that holds like an anchor in the sea. Well, what is our hope? What's the anchor here? And he tells us plainly in verses 19 through 20. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner. Because he has become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And we're going to talk about Melchizedek in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, the first time I talked to Melchizedek, uh, I dressed up like a Middle Eastern priest and did a dramatic monologue. And uh, I, I won't do that next week. Uh, but the students that I did that with never forgot it. But we'll talk about Melchizedek uh, next week. But, but what's this hope that we have? It's so clear. Jesus, the Son of God, before the throne of God, on our behalf, not a human high priest, not one of the sons of Aaron, not one of the wicked priests you read about in the book of Judges or in the history books of the Old Testament, the Son of God, He's our hope. Christ gave himself on the cross and he takes his blood before the Father and offers it on our behalf. He intercedes for us. He pleads our case. He sacrificed himself for our sins. He paid our price. Jesus, the Son, before the throne of God on our behalf, obtaining forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That's our hope. That's the hope like an anchor. Jesus died for you, and therefore, if you have put your faith in him, God will never change his mind about you. He's not giving up on you. He's not giving in on you. He's not going to cave. And you shouldn't either. That's the point of the passage. God's faithfulness is never in question. We should persevere because we have this hope. And I think that's the application. Really two questions. Do you have this hope in Jesus? You know, you can hope in a lot of things. I have conversations with people all the time and, and I'm baffled at the things they hope in. They hope in their own Bible knowledge. They hope in their own church attendance. They hope in, in their singing ability or they hope in their teaching ability or they hope in in their Sunday school attendance or whatever it may be. Or they may just totally hope in something else. They hope in their own morality. I've lived a somewhat decent life. I've only sinned a little bit. I've not liked one of those bad sinners. Surely God wouldn't send me to hell. Countless times I've had to have conversations with people and say, oh, but he would. And he will. 
Unless you put your faith in the Son, He is your only hope. Do you have this hope like an anchor in Jesus? And then here's the second question I would ask. If you have this hope, are you living in light of it? Or are you walking through the Christian life whistling in the dark? We have good reasons to charge forward. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to be concerned of. If you have repented and put your faith in Christ, my friend, you are firm and secure in the hands of the Lord. And nothing will ever change that. So don't whistle in the dark. Or don't hum Andy Griffith in the dark either. Trust Jesus. And keep following Him in this life. Even when it gets stormy. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I find that these passages are difficult to teach because I often think I'm, I'm preaching to believers that are so much more mature than I am in life and, and experience. But Lord, your truth is truth. It's no respecter of persons. So Lord, I don't know if there's a person here tonight that's just never known this hope in you that's firm and secure. Maybe they've laid in bed night after night for decades just wondering what might really happen if they take their last breath. What might happen if tomorrow's the end of it for them? Lord, I just hope tonight that they've seen that they don't have to wrestle with such questions. They don't have to whistle in the dark being afraid throughout this life. We can live in the light of the promises that you have given us in your Son, and they are sure promises. You will not go back on them. You will not give in in anything, Lord. You are faithful all the way to the end. We can trust you. And I pray, Lord. Lord, I pray if there be one that doesn't know you in this way, that you would stir it in their heart. Lord, open their eyes to see what Abraham saw, to hear what Abraham heard. And Lord, for any who have doubted and wrestled, Lord, I pray you'd give them assurance that we would live the Christian life in full speed, serving you with joy in our hearts and not looking over our shoulders in fear. Give us grace, Lord. Give us assurance. And give us power that we would serve you, your name, and your kingdom. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. And I pray you lead us and guide us for the glory of your name. For it's in your name that we pray and ask all these things. Amen. See you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to catch our sermon series of the Gospel of Mark on Sundays at 11 a.m either at the church campus or on our Facebook live stream at Pepperell Baptist Church online. Have a great week. Blessings.